Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. All right, so as you saw in the video, we are starting a brand new series called Love Song, and uh, I get excited about this this kind of series. This is a series we will do six, that will spend the next six weeks talking about relationships. And uh, I love to talk about relationships. I think it's one of the most important things to talk about because it's relative to everybody in here. You are either in a relationship, want to be in a relationship, or in a relationship and you are waving the white flag. Let me out. And, uh, and so, so we are all in a relationship, and I think this affects everybody, and I think it's really important that we get our relationships right, because look, if you get the dating and the marriage thing right, if, you, if you're doing the right things, then your life can be really, really great. Although if you're doing all the dating stuff wrong, and your marriage is flipped, turned upside down, life is probably pretty horrible for you right now. And so we're going to spend the next six weeks... Uh, talking about this, because the truth is that most of us are hurting in some way or another, uh, either because we've been impacted by things like divorce, because we've walked through it ourselves, or somebody close to us has done it, like our parents have gone through it, and so uh, we, we've all got these, these things that have happened to us in our relationships, and, and uh, it affects us all across our culture. There's people in all of our culture that are being affected by it, and so the reason I think it's so uh, prevalent is because we bought into the lies that the world has sold us about relationships. I think the, that we have been uh, being reprogrammed by the world about what love is, and they are, they are in overtime reprogramming us in a way that is contrary to God's word. If you don't believe that this is true, I want you to look at the current situation. No matter where you stand at on, the, on the, the, the book Fifty Shades of Grey or the movie, let me tell you that it is a calculated attack on love, on your perception of love to have a movie like this come out on Valentine's Day weekend. That was a calculated attack to say Whatever you think love is, let this replace it. This is what you ought to be looking at. This is what you ought to be focused on. And really, it's not. It's, it, to, me, to me, if you're asking my personal opinion, to me, it's softcore porn. And I know that porn kills love, and I'll have nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter. It, you can say, well, have you read the book? Have you seen the movie? Nope, I won't, because I can read a bottle and see that it says poison on it to know that I probably shouldn't ingest that and give it a test. This is for me personally, okay? So let me be a pastor for just a second and say that and get, it, get that out there. But I will say this, that, that it is a calculated attack on love because God has told us what love is. He has displayed what love is for us and all that he has done for us in his son. And we also have an example of how men and women should be treating each other as husband and wife, especially in the relationship laid out for us in Ephesians. And I wouldn't say that that story has anything to do with it. There is no God connection there at all. And so culture is working overtime to reprogram us. Now, if you've seen the movie, you read the books, I'm not here to bring condemnation on you. That's not my, that's not my job. I'm just letting you know I'm being a pastor for just a moment. If you're asking me, because a lot of people have been asking me, there you go. Now it's out there and you know where I stand on that, all right? Great. So I would say that repeatedly in the Bible that we are warned over and over again that we need to be careful of these new waves of doctrine. What does that mean? It's the way that we should believe or the way that we should think about things. And this wave of doctrine can be like what we think of love, what we think of relationships. And so it's very, very important for us to be on guard and to be careful. Now, outside of this movie in the current current culture, if you were to just watch TV at night and turn on the tube, they say statistically that 90% of the sexual encounters you will see on TV today are outside of marriage. 90%. That's staggering. 
That is culture trying to reprogram us that this is what love is and this is what it looks like, that it's outside of the boundaries of the way that God has set it up for us. So we have to guard ourselves against what the world is trying to teach us. So I'm going to give you a few challenges over the next few weeks as we talk through this series. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about the book a little bit today, the, the book which is the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. That's what we're going to be studying this week. We're going to talk about a little bit how it's laid out, and then I'm going to jump into today, today's message. So hang with me here. The first challenge I'm going to give you is that if you are currently in a relationship that is dead and or dying, like in other words, you are waving the white flag and you want to be out of this relationship, maybe you've even drafted up the divorce papers, maybe you've even signed them and are ready to send them in. Look, if that is where you are, I have a request for you and a challenge for you. Don't do it. Give God the next six weeks of your life before you file them and spend it here with us on Sunday mornings to hear what God has to say about love and to hear what he has to say about relationships. Because I personally believe that God can do miracles in relationships. I've seen it in other people's lives. I've seen it in people's relationships here at the church. I've seen it in my own life when my marriage has gone south that God changes things. So if you will commit to hanging out here for the next six weeks, I believe that God will do something in your life and in your relationship, okay? Now, some of you say, well, I don't really feel like that's going to work. Look, if you want to let yourself be led around by feelings all your life, that's fine. But I'm going to say something to you that will shift you for one moment, okay? Choices lead and feelings follow. Look, you can be led around by your feelings all you want to. My wife asked me in the morning, hey, do you feel like going to the gym today? The answer to that is no. I do not feel like going to the gym, Okay? Now, if I've made a choice or a decision to go to the gym before I went to bed, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the gym. And usually after I've gone to the gym, I feel great. Why? Because I made a good decision. I didn't let my feelings direct my choices, right? So you can, you can apply this to all areas of your life. Let your good choices lead your feelings, okay? So good, feeling, or good choices, feelings follow. All right. So if you hang out for the next six weeks, whether you feel like that's going to make a difference or not, I promise you that it will. And that's my prayer for all of you, uh, that you'll find the, the emotions, the romance, all of that will come, but all of that will begin with good choices and your first good choices to be here for the next six weeks. Commit to it, all right? Then I've got some ground rules. I've got some ground rules for the next few weeks because every time we start talking about relationships, people get a little weird. They, 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 uh, th- this is what happens. They'll hear me say something and they lean over and they elbow somebody and say, do you just hear that? You know, <laughs> That was for you. Or you take one of the verses that I'll give you today and you'll go home and you'll beat your person over the head with it and go, you need to get in order. This is what God says. Right, look, if you're wanting to win somebody to Jesus, first of all, if they're not saved and you're wanting to win them or maybe there is some struggle in your marriage and you think the way to to resolve that problem or that issue in your relationship is to beat them over the head with the scripture, let me tell you, that is not the best way to go about it. Okay, so here's what I'm asking you to do. Over the next six weeks, I want you to come in here with a humble attitude. One that is prayerful that says, Holy Spirit, you work on me. So have you guys seen this video? There's this cute little girl in a car seat, and she is trying to buckle herself. And the guy's like, hey, can I help you with that? And she says, no, thank you. Well, what do you want me to do? Worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. So that's what I'm asking you. I figured I need to work this into my preaching somehow. <laughs> worry about yourself. Over the next few weeks, humble yourself and worry about you. Say, God, what are you saying to me? Because here's the deal, if you really want your spouse or the person that you're in relationship to change, if you want that to get better, then you need to be what Tim Toole, our Connect pastor here, has has coined, and I love it, you need to be the shiny. In other words, you go first. You allow God to work in your relationship or in your heart first, and you will bring that person along. They will go, what is different about you? You be the shiny that attracts them to making the same kind of change. But you go first. 
That's my request to you this week as you hear things. Don't listen for someone else. Listen for yourself, okay? The second thing is, remember that no matter what you hear here, you're gonna hear how some, people, some relationships are. You're gonna hear about my relationship. I'm gonna share stories of other people's relationship, and then, of course, I'm gonna give you uh, the, the story from the Song of Songs, and you're gonna, that, you're gonna see that there are some gaps in your personal relationships, whether you're married or single and dating. You're, you're gonna see that there's some gaps there, and the temptation is the enemy will come in whenever you see these gaps, and he will tempt you to, to dive into depression because you're like, oh, man, my, my relationships aren't that way. Or I'll never be like that. Or, man, we've tried and we just can't. And, and so it, it, the, the temptation there is for you to be depressed over some of the things that we're going to talk about. Look, let me encourage you with this. The gaps between where you are now and where God wants you to be, those are things that can be celebrated. Do you know why? Because with God, all things are possible. It is possible. You can celebrate the fact that I am here and this is where God wants me and I'm going to get there because he's going to get you there. That's a wonderful place to be. So you can celebrate it. Don't dive in. Don't, don't give in to the temptation to be depressed over anything that you hear today, okay? The last thing is, here is your parental warning, okay? Today, uh, you're okay. We're not going to dive into too much stuff uh, sexually uh, as far as that goes. But one of the weeks, we are going to talk about sex. I think it's important that we do that. And so I would say this. We have children's ministry, okay? Over the next six weeks, if you have kids, you should probably put them in there, all right? Now, I'm not going to have anybody stationed at the door to keep you from bringing kids in. It's your choice entirely what you want to do. I'll let you worry about yourself. And, um, and you can bring your kids in here. Now, I would say if your kids are older, that, uh, at past the age of being in the children's ministry, and you still don't feel like they should be in here, let me tell you that I'm okay with that. I understand that. But somebody is probably going to talk about the same things that we're going to talk about, at school, and they already are talking to them about sex, okay? So just be, that's sixth grade and up. They're, they're already talking about it. So why not bring them in, let them hear what God has to say about sex, because, of course, we will talk about it in a tasteful way. But if, if you were here for my last series of Love, Marriage, Baby Carriage last year, you know that I am not afraid to talk about sex, and so I will mute myself and censor myself so that we can, we can have our kids in here and talk to them about a way that's God-honoring. So, uh, all right, now, the Song of Solomon. This is one of those books, this is one of those poetry books, right? The Old Testament's divided up in history, poetry, and prophetic. This is one of those books that was written by, uh, the, by Solomon. He is the third king of Israel, and we believe that he wrote it around somewhere around 900 B.C. And it's a love story between Solomon and a woman, this Shunammite woman they call her. And what's, what's interesting about it is that, that uh, King Solomon is a guy, when you think about him, you think about the, the wise guy. You know, he's the guy who prayed for wisdom and God gave him wisdom. He's the guy who built the temple. He was the richest man in the world, the most respected man in the world. What you don't think about him is that this guy wrote songs, right? But if you rewind a little bit, you'll see who Solomon's father was, and that was King David. What we know about David is David is the one who's, who slew the Goliath. And even if you're not a Christian, you know that story, a David and Goliath story. And so uh, you're, you're familiar with that. But this is who he was. This was King David. He was the second king of Israel, and that was Solomon's dad. And King David was a musician. He was a poet. He was a singer, songwriter. He was all of them. And here's this guy who is on top of the world, and we see him through his writing. He's on top of the world emotionally, killing giants. And then the next minute, he's like wishing that rocks would fall on him, right? Like, God, why have you forsaken me? This is, this is David, right? He's a typical musician, up and down emotionally. Love you guys. <clears throat> and so... So this is, who, this is who we're talking about. This is his dad. So Solomon, for him to write a song is really not that, that uh, big of a deal, even though 
you just typically wouldn't think about it. He's got a, a dad who's just really emotional, and so that, that passed on to him. And so Solomon, uh, in 1 Kings, it says that he wrote over 1,005 songs. So this guy's a prolific writer of music, and this song in particular that we're going to read, he titled it The Song of Songs. In other words, this is my greatest hit. If he had an album that came out, Solomon's Greatest Hits, this is it. This song right here, okay? And so when you, when you look at this particular verse, if you were to try to read through it, you might get a little confused if you tried to read it on your own. Now, I noticed that some Bibles and some interpretations or, or um, yeah, interpretations of the Bible have like, they break it down because there are, there are three voices that we hear in this story, in this song that he wrote. There's Solomon's, when he's speaking, he speaks about his lover, and then there's the, uh, the Shunammite woman, the woman that he is pursuing, she responds. But then there's also this chorus of women that respond in there. Because let's be honest, there is no romantic story that a group of women don't gather around and go, what's going on? How did he do it? How did he propose? You know, did he get you flowers? Like, you know, women that are asking questions about it. And so they belong here in the story. That's real life. It's in the Bible. And, and, uh, and so uh, those, are, those are there. And so when, when we look at them up on the screen, what I've done is I've color-coded them. I'll show you that in just a moment but so that you know who's talking and when. And, uh, and, and, and we'll look at that here in just a second. We'll dive into that. So now, over the next few weeks, just to let you know what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to talk about the art of attraction. How did these two fall in love? What attracted them to each other in the first place? Next week, we will talk about how they courted one another. In other words, this is to talk about and discuss for you singles the dating process and what that looks like. Of course, if you're married, you still should be dating your spouse. And so you can gain quite a bit from next week as well. Uh, but you need to get in here and, and figure out how do we develop ourselves to be ready for marriage is what we're going to talk about next week. The week after, week three, we're going to talk about great sex. Look, some of you don't think we should be talking about it here in church, but look, God created it, and I think as Christians, we ought to be having the greatest sex ever. Amen? The few. There's a few of you who agree with that. Some, some of you are sleeping. That's okay. <laughs> So we're going to talk about it in a tasteful way and according to God's word here, week three. Week four, how do we handle conflict? Because the fact is, is that you are going to have conflicts in your marriage and in your relationships. The difference or the thing that will set you apart versus Christian versus non-Christian or follow, a Christ follower is how you handle it, okay? And so we're going to talk about your fighting technique on week uh, four. And then uh, week five, we'll talk about how to take your relationship deeper. What does a mature love look like as you grow together? And week six is till death do us part. What does faithfulness look like and what does a covenant relationship look like uh, to be married for life? So I believe that God is going to do something incredible in our lives over the next six weeks. So let's walk into this expecting nothing short of that, okay? Expect something great in your relationships. And uh, whether you're married or single, there's value in all of this stuff. So let's jump into the, to the, uh, the selection of the, the message or the, the study for today and the Song of Solomon. If you need a Bible, uh, we'd love to bless you with one. Just shoot your hand up and we will gift you with a Bible. It is your gift to take, but the verses will also be up here on the screen. Here's the color code as we go through the Song of Songs, just so that you're clear on who's talking as we go through. The woman's in green, Solomon's in blue, and the group of women, the, the daughters of uh, Jerusalem, are in pink, okay? All right, so Song of Songs, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, it says, Solomon's song of songs. So in other words, he's declaring, this is my greatest hit. This is the best. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Now, how many of you guys love a chapter of the Bible that opens up good and spicy like that? You know, it's like a good salsa. Starts off really hot. You got it? And uh, So it says, for your love is more delightful than wine. So what she's saying is, is that his love is the best kind of love. It's, it's an age to perfection kind of love. It is smooth. It is intoxicating. It is 
perfect and robust. It's all the words you would use about wine, but it's, she's talking about his love, so she really enjoys his love. It is the best kind. My hope and prayer is that by the end of this series, that whatever relationship you're in, single or married, that you will look at your beloved and feel the same way about them, that you can feel that there, there is nothing like their love for me. So, all right. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. Your name is like perfume poured out. So in other words, she's saying that his reputation is of the highest value. His name carries weight in the community. People know who he is. No wonder the maidens love you. So no wonder the ladies are crazy about this guy. He is Solomon. He is a stud. They all faint when he walks past because he's a stud on so many different levels. He is a desirable man. Every woman in the, in the country or the city would have wanted to be with him, and every man would have wanted to be him. Solomon is the man. So what was it about him? What is it that makes us attractive to other people? So we're going to look at the art of attraction this week. And, uh, and so I think a lot of times when we start our relationships, we start off the wrong way because we've been programmed to be attracted to the wrong things. We have to see people through God's system of attraction, right? There's a man and a woman that have been fighting, been arguing for hours now at this point, and they've said some things that later on they will regret, they will apologize for. But in the middle of the fight, he looks at her and says, I don't understand how you are so beautiful and yet so dumb all at the same time. She quickly responds and says, well, God made me beautiful so you'd be attracted to me, and he made me dumb so I'd be attracted to you. So look, if this is our base for relationships, we, we probably need a different model, right? We need to figure out what God has to say about attraction. We need to know what to look for and what to be attracted to. You need to know how to develop your own life so that you can be more attractive to the right person. Even if you're already married, there's great applications for attraction because we put so much into attraction before we get the relationship, right? We, we, we make ourselves look nice. We say the right things. Maybe we go to church on Sunday. We, we do all the right things to make ourselves look attractive to other people. And then once the relationship gets started, well, we kind of let that stuff slack off. But let me say something to you. The thing that you use to catch that person is the thing you're going to have to do to keep them, right? Think about that. The thing that you did to catch them is what you're going to have to do to keep them. And But when we stop putting so much energy into our relationship, then we wonder why things have gone wrong, why we have problems. And so you have to continue to put the effort into the art of attraction. Look uh, at verse 4 through 6. I understand you guys may not have this slide, and you'll just have to trust me that this is what it says. She says, take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Then the girls, the, the ladies say, we rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. She speaks up again. She says, how right they are to adore you. Dark am I, yet lovely, daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon, which are jet black. So in other words, she's saying, my skin is really, really dark, right? Homegirl's got a tan, okay? And, uh, and so she says, do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun, my mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard, I had to neglect. So what, what's happening here? What is she saying? She's dark. See, during this time, we were talking about Jewish people, okay? And there's, they've already got this naturally olive-colored skin that, that's already kind of dark. And, uh, and, but, it, but the lighter-colored olive skin meant that you were probably wealthy. 
that you either worked indoors or didn't have to work at all. The darker your skin was, the more likely it was that you were poor because you would have spent the days in the field searching for your food, gleaning from the, from the fields, and working outside. So for her to say that I have dark skin meant that she was probably poor. She was not of the wealthy of the time. She was not, of the, she was not the standard of beauty of the time. She says that I am dark. She made a living working in the fields. And of course, even though we think that having a nice tan is great, they would not have during that time. The olive-colored skin was more attractive. And then we see in the verse that her stepbrothers mistreated her. Now, whether it was because she made some mistakes or she was a victim of abuse, we don't really know. But she's owning the reason for her darkened skin. She's aware of her baggage. She doesn't feel beautiful because of it, her hardened hands from manual labor, maybe she's got scars and bruises on her arms from working in the field. She's aware that her body is not something to look at, and so she says, don't look at me. And she even admits that she's not been able to care for her own body when she says, my own vineyard, I've had to neglect. This is some, some symbolic things for her saying, I, I've not been able to take care of my body. See, the women of that day, the women that Solomon would have been courting, remember that he's the king, they would have had time to bathe and myrrh and frankincense and their hair would have just looked so, their makeup, their rings, their, their necklace, all the stuff, they would have been done up really, really nice. And, and they would have smelled beautiful. They'd had the right skin tone. And she's aware that she is not the model for the beauty of that time. So she says, don't look at me. Don't stare at me. Don't make it about my physical appearance. She says, I'm dark, but I'm lovely. And I, I think this is a great message for today. Because even though she's aware that she is not the epitome of beauty in the culture for the day, she says, I'm dark, but I'm lovely. In other words, just because I don't have what they have physically to offer doesn't mean that I don't have game. Like, I'm going to get this guy, this Solomon guy, he's going to be mine. You watch, I'll do it. And so she realizes that because she doesn't look like the world says she has to look, that she's not attractive. She knows that she is. And physical attraction does matter in a relationship, but not as much as we've been led to believe. You don't just get into relationships because you're attracted to how somebody looks because to be honest with you, that kind of stuff changes. If you were to see pictures of me when I was younger, when my wife and I first met, man, my hair was thicker. It is so thin, I could show you bald spots now. But my hair was thicker and it was long and it was spiked up big and I I had frosted it or highlighted it, whatever you want to call it. Man, it was awesome. It was great. You think if my wife married me for my hair... I would be in trouble today because my hair is thinning out. I don't frost it anymore, and it's thinning, and it's eventually going to all fall out. That's what's just what's going to happen. It happens. Look, gravity begins to set in. You know what I'm saying? Things change as time goes on. Your body changes, and if you get into a relationship with somebody because of how they look, that can change in an instant. In an instant. And so I would say, you know, we need to take care of ourselves, but eventually we won't look the way that we used to look. Age sets in, and we'll get in trouble if we base our attraction on physical, okay? So, and truly, uh, the image, I have to tell you ladies this, I'm going to let you off the hook, and guys, you need to stop putting the ladies on this hook. The image of beauty that is today, look, here's what happens. We look in a magazine, and we see this girl, and we're like, oh, that's what beauty is right there. But let me tell you something about that girl. She has starved herself for the last three weeks, and she showed up and took a photo, and then they went into Photoshop, and they, they airbrushed it, and they edited it, and then we put that on display and say, this is our image of beauty, it is an untrue image. It doesn't, it, you can't find that woman anywhere in the world. Even that woman, the woman who took the post for the photo, doesn't exist the way you see her in the magazine. She just doesn't. It's not a real thing. And so ladies, you need to stop trying to be that and stop having this body image 
these issues that you have because you don't look like them. They're not real. And guys, you need to stop expecting your women to look like that. Amen? Can I get an amen in here? Anybody with me? Yep. So, I love that she starts out by saying, look, I'm not what the world would call beautiful, but that doesn't mean that I don't have game, that I can't get the most desirable bachelor in the country. So, how does she win him? The verse continues on in verse 7. It says, this is her talking. She says, tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday, why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? Now, when you read the Bible, you have to read the Bible. You need to understand it. I get there's a lot of imagery here that we can't get, but, but who are the veiled women? Well, these are the prostitutes of the day, okay? These are, these are the women who are easy, and so she says, I'm not going to be like them. I'm going, if I'm going to be in a relationship with you, I'm not going to be like the prostitutes. In other words, you can't buy this kind of loving, and I'm not giving it up t- for free. That's just not happening, So she says, I won't dress like they dress. I won't act like they act. I don't have to let you touch me so that you'll love me. I won't be like a veiled woman. So the first thing that we see that drives Solomon crazy about her is that she's got some some standards in her life. She's got some values. And he loves that about her. And this is what we would call spiritual attraction. Look, ladies, do you want men, uh, excuse me, men want what they can't have. Do you know that? That's all men want. They want exactly what they can't have. So when you say no, that's what we begin to chase. Look, it's true in my life. My wife, look, I wasn't perfect. I haven't always been a pastor, and I'm certainly not perfect now. My wife and I, when we met 11 years ago, that is something that I pursued. I was like, yeah, let's go. And she said no. She put a stop on it. She said, you know what? I've done this before. I've slept with men. And I'm not doing it again, not until you put a ring on it. And so we didn't. We didn't, but she put, she put a stop to it, and it drove me crazy. It drove me so crazy that I asked her to marry me in three months. I was like, let's do this. We're getting married. January, so I met, we met in October. I asked her to marry me in January, and by June, we were done. Deal was sealed. We got, we got married. Because honestly, <laughs> we want what we can't have. It drove me crazy about her. Not just because I couldn't have that thing. Don't get me wrong. It's that she had standards. She was able to say no. And I love that about her. I love it. It drove Solomon crazy as well. Because honestly, think about this. What does a king who has everything, the guy already has 300 some wives, what does a guy like Solomon need? He's the richest man in the world. He's the, wealth, he's the, the wisest man in the world. He has the ear of all the kings and all the, the queens of the, all the lands. They come to Solomon for advice. What does he possibly have? Or what, what could he possibly be missing? What could he want? What he can't have. And so it drives him crazy that she's got these, these values. And you'll see in a moment that she, uh, she puts, him, puts it to a halting stop. <clears throat> but if we will let our standards and spiritual relationship with the Lord drive our relationship like she did, I promise that it will change our lives forever. When you have a relationship with Jesus in your life, it does things to you that you can't do on your own. Every one of us is messed up, and all of us will have issues that we need to deal with, issues from the past. And if you don't know Jesus, then you are going to have difficulty dealing with those issues, unpacking those issues. You'll need Jesus in your life as you continue in your relationship as well, because as you do, you're going to sin against each other. He's going to sin against you, and you're going to sin against him. It's not an if, it's a when. You will do it, and you will need to have Jesus in your life, to understand continual forgiveness so that you can continually forgive them. You'll want it in your life. If not, your marriage is headed for disaster. Guys, look, 
Let me say this to you. If you, if you want to be more spiritually attractive to a woman, let your relationship with Christ grow. Let it grow. Look, you, you'll become more attractive than there's no woman in here that isn't looking for a man who is willing to be a spiritual leader of the household. There's, there, there's not a single woman in here that couldn't agree with me. I'm looking for my man to follow after Jesus. I want him to love Jesus. We say, how do I do that? I'll tell you a great place to begin. When you get in here on Sunday mornings, get your hands out of your pockets. Maybe participate in worship a little bit, you know? I don't, uh, you know, if you're not up for putting your hands in there, that's fine. Drum along with the seats. I watch, I watch some of you guys getting into it. It's great. Look, your woman's looking on. Here's some simple things you can do. You say, how do I get involved in worship? How do I participate? And I'm not saying this is the end-all, be-all, but, but this is it, you know? You could, you could practice carrying the baby. It looks like this during worship. Just carry the baby. It's, it's a little slow. It's down like this, right? You know, this is the worship gesture. And for those of you listening by the podcast, I apologize. You just need to get here. And then, and then, and then you know, then you can tell her how big your fish was. You can do like this, you know? And then you can move into the Simba. And then into the touchdown to the Rocky and the village people. Whatever you want to do, look, this is how you can participate in worship, okay? And guys, let me tell you something. If you'll come in here on a Sunday morning and you'll engage in worship, or, or, and, and trust me, I understand that that is not the representation of what it looks like to be a Christian, okay? There is much more that you can do outside of this building that will show your worship for the Father and your obedience, but, but you can start there. You, you can start simply Engage. But if you'll do that, I guarantee you come in here on a Sunday morning and do that, you're only like, dang, man, you're going to go home and get some action. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just promising you. I don't know if it, I can prove it biblically or not, but I want to say that I can. So, Now, if you're single, I, want you to, to, I don't want you to compromise on this. Don't missionary date. Don't missionary date. If you, are, if you are a Christ follower and you have found somebody who is not, don't missionary date. That means you're going to go out with them and you're going to bring them to church and then they're going to get right with Jesus and, and live their lives that way. No, look. Let them get their lives together first, and then you can hook up with them and you can, you can date them, okay? Don't do it the other way around. Don't try to be the one that brings them to Christ. You're headed towards, towards disaster. So another thing I want to say to you singles, if you're, if you're not married yet, I want to tell you that it's important for you to find your purpose before you get married, before you find that person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Look, here's an example. What if you're called, you find out you're called to the mission field, and you've hooked up with somebody who is not. They are called to, like, <laughs> stay here <laughs> and do something different. Look, if you're called to the mission field and they're not, your relationship is going to be stressed until God sorts that issue out in your hearts and your lives. But if you know that you're called to the mission field, if you know what your purpose is for life, if you know you're called to go to Africa and, and you start heading that direction and God brings along some, somebody with you who's also called there, how much easier would your, your mission and your life fulfillment be? Because you have somebody of like heart. Look, follow the principle that was set out in the Garden of Eden. Here's how God did it. He created man, then he gave him a job, and then he gave him his wife. Okay? Find your purpose before you do this. Turn your dating relationships over to God. Look, my wife and I did this. We didn't even really know each other. Not really. We didn't know each other. She lived in, in uh, Jackson, Kentucky, and I lived here in Columbus. But before we met, I said, Lord, I'm, d- I'm done with this dating. My first marriage had already dissolved. I said, I'm done with this dating. I'm just going to follow after you. I started praying for my wife. I wrote down, I said, these are the qualities I want in a woman. God, when you're ready to bring her to me, this is what I want. And I just, and I moved forward. I stopped dating. A couple months later, somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I got this great girl you've got to meet. She's really sweet and she's got great assets. You got to meet her. I'm not going to say what he said to me about her, but I was like, I'm in. I'm sold. (laughs) And then she's doing the same thing. 
she used to party a lot. She used to she, go out, and, and she decided, you know what, I'm going to do this different. She said, I'm not going to go to the club anymore. I'm going to go to a Bible study. I'm going to go to a prayer meeting. I'm going to stop chasing after men, and I'm going to let God bring me who I'm supposed to have. I didn't even know her. And she, put, she wrote down on this little slip of paper what she was looking for in a man. And she put it in some prayer box at her church. Next thing you know, God connected us. Look, when you seek out your purpose first, when you seek out what you're supposed to do, God will bring you who you're supposed to be with. It just, it just happened. It, it just happened like that for us. And this happened just, just mere months before we met. So if you'll find your purpose together, that's the greatest thing that you can do as a couple. Because let's be honest, if you're focused on a mission, if you're focused on rescuing people from hell, if you're focused on serving people and the mission of making disciples, if you're, if you're, if you're really focused on God's mission and purpose for your life, it's a lot harder to fight and to argue over little things like the remote control. You know what I'm saying? These little things that, that creep into our marriages that cause these fights, it's a lot easier to just see past them because they're so insignificant in the grand scheme of things. When you look at your marriage in light of eternity, you have that focus together, passionately pursuing God's call. So let's continue on. Verse 9 says, I liken you, and this is Solomon talking, I liken you, my darling, to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. Stop right there, guys. This is not a great idea to liken your girl to a horse, okay? <clears throat> Although during the time, I will say that, uh, that these horses, these particular horses were well-groomed and were beautiful. I imagine them probably like a Clydesdale. You guys ever seen a Clydesdale, like in person? They are massive horses, and they are, you are all at once impressed and all at once scared you know what i'm saying You're like wow that's a big beast that's awesome so guys don't call your girls a horse all right he says your cheeks are beautiful with earrings your neck with strings of jewels so i want you to focus though on this one word that you'll see here he says my darling my darling see this is this is a term of endearment uh, it means companion or friend okay companion or friend there's a friendship here that supersedes everything else that will happen in their marriage relationship. And I think we're missing the, a lot of that in our relationships. I think that we're missing this friendship element. We, we, just, we just don't have it. She continues on. Uh, these are the girls that respond and say, we will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. And she says, while the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My lover is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. Now, I'm not really sure what a sachet of myrrh is, but I bet he's happy to be it. And... <laughs> my lover is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. So first I want you to see that the spiritual attraction is here, but then there's this emotional connection that they have, and it's their friendship, right? In fact, working on this side of the marriage, the friendship marriage, is one of the most important things that you can do. If you are single, work at that. Don't ever get physical until you know that you like this person. I would tell you don't even get physical until your wedding night, but... You, before you even think about getting physical with this person or letting them touch you, you need to know whether you like them or not. You need to know whether you mesh as friends or not. Develop a relationship. For those of us that are married, I think that we need to work on this. It really is the bond of marriage. Friendship is, period. It is easy to get caught up in all that we do, our jobs, running here and there, taking care of the kids, paying bills. It's easy to get caught up in all this stuff, and we forget that this whole thing started because we were friends, because we liked each other's company. And this is why years later, whenever the, 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 your life settles down and the kids are out the door, you both look at each other and neither of you know each other. And the marriage dissolves. Why? Because you let the friendship go by the wayside. But by being friends, it makes all of these things that you're dealing with, all the stuff that you go through in life, it makes it more enjoyable, okay? 
I, now, I learned this early on in my life. If you're single and you're dating, let me give you a, a, a hot tip. When I was younger, I learned something, I, that girls, if you remove the physical nature of dating, the pressure of the, the physical part of it, then girls will go out with you. Girls that previously said no, the ones that were focused on the relationship with Jesus or just on their studies, they use that as an excuse to tell you no because they don't want to get mixed up in the, the physical nature of all of it. They don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that, but they do have time for friendship. So here's what I did. I, I approached girls, and I came up with this term, Saturday night date girlfriend. Trademark. You're welcome to use it, though. And, uh, and I had these Saturday night date girlfriends, and, and what it was was I'd approach a girl, a, a young lady, and I said, listen, I'd, I would love to go out with you. Just on Saturday nights, we don't have to talk on the phone throughout the week if you don't want to. We always wind up doing that, but I said, we don't have to. You know, we're, we're already friends in, in, in our social circles, and I would just love to go out on a Saturday night with a beautiful lady. I'll pay for it. We don't have to hold hands. We don't have to hug or kiss or anything. I just want to hang out and have fun. And you know how many beautiful girls that I went out with on a Saturday night because of this Saturday night date girlfriend? If you are single and you remove the physical nature that, uh, of dating, the thing that we've been told that dating should be all about, you can build relationships with somebody. And I did that when I was young. I learned that when I was young. Now, fast forward to the time when I met my wife. We were kind of forced into this, and I'm thankful for that because she lived in, in Lexington, Kentucky, and I lived here in, in Columbus. And when we met, we actually met over the internet, not through like uh, a website. A friend hooked us up and gave us each other's emails, and he told her about me, and, and, uh, and, and they told me about her. And I said, well, I, I don't even remember how that email started, but I sent her an email and said, hey, I heard you're hot. You want to talk? And uh, no, I don't, I don't even remember how. I don't even remember what I did. But I did send her some kind of email because she was waiting on it. And, and she got the email, and she responded. And so all we had was email. We didn't live close enough to each other. And I wasn't brave enough to call her yet. So we emailed back and forth for several weeks several times a day. Like, I should have been working, and I was sitting there at my computer, because we didn't used to have iPads and iPhones and, you know, email on your phone, dude. You had to go to a computer and get it, look up Yahoo, and maybe wait on dial-up for a picture to download or whatever. You all know what I'm talking about, right? Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? A few of you. So we sent emails back and forth, and I didn't know what to do, so I just kept sending her these little quizzes, you know, like, where would you go on your vacation? What's your, what's your perfect date look like? You know, we just got to know each other, we, and we really enjoyed each other talking through the emails. I couldn't wait to hear from her. She was intoxicating. She was funny, uh, not as funny as me, but she was funny, and she thought I was funny, so that was good. And, uh, and, and so I, I said, hey, can I, can I get a picture? I mean, I'm a dude. I want to see what you look like. So uh, I said, can I get a picture? And this is the picture she sends me. There she is. There's my wife and uh, my daughter, Kasaya, and uh, this is Shanda on Cocoa Beach. Now, I had to imagine the color blue of her eyes, but I knew her eyes were baby blue, and, and, uh, and so I said, oh, that's awesome. She's gorgeous. Yes, let's keep talking. Let's, let's have some more. I didn't get any more pictures than this. This was it, um, but I decided to send her a picture back in return. She said, all right, now I'd like to see you, and what I sent her was a picture of my boys initially, and she's like, no, I want to see you, and so I, I sent her a picture because at this point, I really needed to know, was she in? Did she know who I was? Could she appreciate who I was? And, uh, and would she stick it out? And this is the picture I sent her. I'm, I'm on the left, by the way. <laughs> the guy on the right is Weird Al Yankovic. And uh, I had to send her that picture because I needed to know, was she in? I'm a nerd, and I love Weird Al. And this is me backstage with him. And I had an opportunity to meet him. This was, this was fairly recent of me, and, and I was tanned. And I said, this is the best picture I've got, and I need to know if she's in. So I sent it to her, and she said, is that Weird Al? And I said, yep. 
end of conversation. She stuck around, and so, uh, so we, 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 we stayed together. But we have found a way to be friends through all this, and despite this, you can take that down now, thanks. We have found a way <laughs> to be friends through all of this, and, uh, and because we have, we, have, we have this friendship. She's not a fan of Weird Al, but she's okay that I am. She's, she's not a fan of, of magic tricks and things, but she still went to magic camp with me. I'm not necessarily a fan of going to the gym, but she is, so I go with her, right? I refuse to go to Zumba. I'm just not doing it. Don't do it. <laughs> but, but I'll go with her. And, and it hasn't been all fun and games since we got married. You know, we've enjoyed, we enjoy a great friendship. Our wedding night, I just have to tell you this, our wedding night, she, she um, because we, we, had, we had abstained from, from yeah, that and uh, until our wedding, and uh, our wedding night, we're in the hotel room, and she says, I need you to go into the, to the bathroom and wait for a minute. And I'm like, all right, what is she doing? And she knocks on the door and says, listen, I'm going to have you come out in just a second, but when you come out, I want you to know that <clears throat> I'm wearing something that if you like it, I'll wear it every single night for the rest of our lives. And I'm in the bathroom just like, oh, <laughs> what does she have on? <laughs> it's our wedding night. And I walk out, and she's in, like, from neck to toe, full-on Granny Moo Moo, down sleeves, like, you know, completely covered. And, uh, and that has been our relationship. That, that has been, it has been a lot of fun. We've had a, a lot of fun together. But all this, this deeper friendship that we've had, this, how we've constantly found a way to deepen our friendship, has got us through the hard times. Because we've, we've had some serious difficulties in our marriage as well. Some difficult things that have happened to us, some difficult things that we've done to each other, some horrible things that we've done to each other. And yet, because we have this friendship, we've been able to overcome a lot of things. For me, you know, Shanda calls me the moment she gets off work. In the morning before she leaves, I make sure I kiss her. When she comes home, I make sure I greet her and I kiss her. I'll get up in the morning and start her car for her when it's cold outside or dusted off from snow. Why? Because we're friends. Because we're friends. I, I, I care for her. And some of you, you say you're struggling right now in your relationships. You're like, I don't have this in my relationship. Well, you know what's going to take you? It's going to take you putting down your iPhone, or your iPad, or your device, or your laptop. It's going to take you putting down your Facebook, putting down your watching your Vines and your memes and looking at the Internet. It's going to take you turning off ESPN. Guys, it's going to take you turning off your video games. It's going to take you stop. You, you know, maybe you don't need to play sports every night of the week. It, you're going to have to sacrifice. It's going to cost you something in order for you to continue to be friends with your spouse. It's going to cost you something. But you should have known that going into it. And, and let me say this, that if you don't pay the price, if you don't feed into that relationship, somebody in, your, in the relationship may wake up someday. I'm sorry, nobody wakes up in the relationship and, and just one morning says, hey, I'm going to have an affair. It happens over time because the relationship, the friendship part, gets starved. You're not feeding into it. Somebody will. For ladies, ladies aren't, aren't concerned about the, the emotional or the, the, uh, the physical part of the relationship. They don't care about sex. But if a guy starts feeding them emotionally, you're beautiful. Your husband wouldn't buy you flowers? I'll buy you flowers. I'd buy you flowers every week. Somebody starts feeding into that relationship. The guys, you know, you're not, you're not telling him, you're not complimenting him. Somebody's telling him that he hung the moon. Ladies, if you're not feeding into that relationship, He'll look for something, because be honest with you, affairs don't just happen. You don't just wake up and it happens. It happens over time. You have to feed into that relationship. You have to protect that relationship. You can do that a lot of different ways, not only by feeding into it, by protecting it from others. Look, if, you, if you're like me, 
I, I'm in a position that I get talked to by all kinds of people, but if a female ever texts me, ever Facebook messages me, sends me an email, whatever it is, I include my wife on it. I let her see. She has access to my phone. She has passwords to all my stuff. And some of you say, well, that's, that's an intrusion into my privacy. And I say, no, that's an inclusion into my life. It's an inclusion because I'm not afraid. I want her in there. I want her to know that I care about her more than anything. Protect that relationship. Because when you don't bring things like that into the light, they will flourish in the darkness. They will. Protect your relationship. So spiritual attraction, emotional attraction, and the last thing, and I'm closing it. I'll be quick. Is physical attraction. She says, or he says in verse 15, he says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes are doves. And she responds, how handsome you are, my lover. Oh, how charming, and our bed is verdant. Verdant means like lush, lush, covered with grass, okay? The beams of our house are cedars. She's looking, the beams of the house are trees. Our rafters are firs. What's above her are leaves. You know what she's describing? A little grassy knoll. They've decided to stop somewhere and make out a little bit. I'm not sure. My bed, our bed. And this is some potential for some outdoor lovemaking. She's just described it. And she's fired up. He thinks she's attractive. She thinks he's hot. They're fired up. They're ready to go. And physical attraction is something we'll cover a little bit more in week three. But there is something about us that forgets this area of our life constantly. And in the relationship, it's not the priority, but it is important. It's important that we take care of ourselves. We don't marry for physical attraction, but it is part of our basic chemistry. We can't get into the relationship because of it, but it is important. Look, don't strive for body image. Your body will never be perfect, but we can strive for health. Think about what this conveys to to your loved one if you take care of yourself physically. Something ailing you, go to the doctor, get it looked at, get it taken care of. Take care of yourself, get dressed. Dress nice for your lady or ladies, dress nice for your man. Do your hair. Look your best. Strive for your best. And do it for them because it shows that you appreciate them, that you care about them, that you understand. Hey, I understand this is part of our chemistry and I'm doing my part for you. And I want you to see this as I close, that he meets her spiritual needs, he meets her emotional needs with her friendship. And, and she's ready to rock. Look what it says, verse five. It says, sustain me with raisins. Now these are an aphrodisiac, okay? That's something that... Get them charged up sexually. Refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. Now, they're not married yet. She's all fired up. She's ready to go. And they're laying down in this grassy knoll. And here's the imagery. This verse continues. He says, his left hand is under my head. Sorry. And his right hand embraces me. So so what's getting ready to happen? Well, use your imagination. And she says, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. So they stop. They realize where they're at and they stop. She realizes the importance of the standard that she's set. She said, hey, I'm not going to be like the veiled women. And look, she's, she's here. She's fired up. Why? Because he's met all of her needs, all the levels of attraction he's accomplished. And she is well for him. And they're, they're passionate about each other. But it will take, when you find that right person, it will take setting up some boundaries. Because if you don't set up boundaries, you'll cross them every time. Look, deciding how far you will go with a guy or a girl in a situation when you're in the middle of it is the wrong time. You need to decide before you get into it. 
you need to know where you draw the line. Like my wife, she drew the line. And she drew that line, and I'm going to tell you that over the, over the time, before, from the time that we started dating to the time that we were married, not only did she uphold that line, but I helped her uphold that line. There were, I'm just being honest with you. I, I, if you can't handle this, I apologize. But there were times when I looked at her and said, no, you told me no. And if we cross this line, you're going to be mad at me that I didn't help you uphold this standard. You have to decide where to draw that, draw that line. Look, guys, gals, if you like it, put a ring on it. <laughs> just, just do it. If you don't set boundaries, you'll cross them every time. And I'll be honest with you, I've never, ever met or counseled any couple that has said to me, you know what will solve all my problems if I had had sex with just a few more people? They never say that. In fact, it's quite the opposite of that. The people that I talk with say, you know what? I really wish I had done less. I wish I had less partners. I wish I had been with less people because it's less baggage. It's less, less things I have to remember. It's less mistakes that I've made. They, they wish they, they had done less. And you know, today maybe you're married or maybe you're single and you've made a ton of mistakes and that's okay because Jesus makes all things brand new. It doesn't matter what mistake you've made in the past. You can be all new today. So let's get a fresh start. Let's get a fresh start on our, our spiritual attraction. Let's get a fresh start on our emotional attraction. Let's get, let's get a fresh start on our physical attraction. Let's make some commitments today. Let's do it, so let's pray. Father, I pray for everybody in this room. Lord, my prayer is that God, you would help us through these things. These are difficult things to do. They are going to take work. We are going to have to put down some things that we have taken up. We are going to have to sacrifice some things that we love. But but the relationship is worth it. We are going to have to sacrifice when you call us into obedience over things to be spiritually attractive. Lord, I pray that you would help us not only have those opportunities, but respond appropriately to them. God, I pray for our emotional attraction. God, that we can learn to be friends. Father, that we can, we can allow Jesus to be at the center of our relationships, that grace and forgiveness and mercy flows between us, that we can find ways to relate to each other. We'll find ways to have fun together, find ways to build that relationship. And then, God, as we make commitments to, to get off the couch and to take care of ourselves, either that just means going to the doctor or taking a walk or finding a way to just, just to do our hair or shave or wash our clothes. Like, I, I don't know what that means for each of us, but I know that each of it will require a sacrifice. It will require we do something. God, when we're given these opportunities, help us to do them. Help us to do that in our, whether we're single or whether we're married. And Lord, strengthen our relationships today as we move forward in chasing after the mission that you have laid ahead of us. Help us do it, God. And maybe you're here today and you say, Aaron, you know what? I've never even begun. I can't even work on the first one because I've never accepted Jesus as Lord of my life. Today, you can make that opportunity. You can take that opportunity. You can say, Aaron, count me in. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus today. I realize that that is so much more than just this simple prayer. It means getting involved here, getting, getting involved with other Christians, walking this life out and seeing what it means to be a follower of Christ. But if that's you today and you want me to count you in on this prayer, I'm going to ask that you don't, you don't have to come to the front. You don't have to stand up. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want me to count you in on that prayer, would you put your hand in the air and say, Aaron, count me in. Count me in. I want to give my life to Christ today. Thank you. I'm going to give you the words to say. I just want you to say them in your heart, and you need to mean them. But I want you to say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came and that you died for my sins, that I might be forgiven. 
Help me to live for you, Jesus, and I'll spend every day doing just that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.